You're my refuge in the storm. And through these trials,
with wonder, awestruck wonder, sad the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power.
began to uh, study this week, I had a, a wedding on my mind, and I was trying to figure exactly what God wanted me to say at that wedding, and it was a little something different, and I wrestled with it all week, and when you're doing that, it's hard to get your mind on the other things that you got planned to do or you're trying to do, but I know what God spoke to me, and uh, I want to talk about it a little bit today, and I want to talk to the church a little bit first, because I think it's, uh, it's something that Connie brought out in our Sunday school, but it's the day that we live in, and nobody wants to be uh, told they're not doing enough. Nobody wants to be told that they're all, always falling short. You know, it's hard to stand up here without speaking God's truth, God's words written. I'm just repeating God's words. So if you have a problem with what I say here, go back to God's word. Begin to dig yourself and find out who God is. God is serious about what he's talking about. God is always serious in his word. And today, I want to bring out something because first I'm going to read the first verse, then I'll tell you where to go. It says, the first verse came to me was, Now the Spirit speaks expressly. 1 Timothy 4, 1. It says that in the latter times, the later times, that's this time, the time that we're living in. Now, you know what? You can look at the news. You can listen to all kinds of preachers and all kinds of studies, and you can study even history, and it'll tell you that it looks bad. It, it, things look bad. But I, can I tell you, God holds the key to the end times. God is the one that will say when it's done. But it says here, Paul, uh, Paul wrote this to Timothy, and I want you to hear it because God didn't write any verse that's not going to come to pass. How many heard what I just said? See, everything God wrote down is coming to pass. And when God says the Spirit speaks expressly, that in the latter times it says some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now that's a pretty serious proclamation. That's a pretty serious thing that the Spirit of God is saying is going to move across the time when this is supposed to happen, and it's going to cause people to depart from the faith. Now sometimes we look at those things and we skip right on by them. Well, I know I'm saved. I know when I got saved. I remember the day I got saved. I was a teenager when I got, when I got saved. And I'm 67 years old, so I was, that's been a long time ago. But I want you to understand something. There are the day that we're living in is obvious because of why the church people, the Christian people, the people that use the name of Christ, the ones that you speak to every day, they're going to churches every day. But can I tell you, some are drifting away from the faith of God. What am I talking about? I'm talking about true faith. See, we don't live by faith no more. We live by what the computer tells us. We live by what books tell us. We live by what our government tells us we're allowed to have and what we ain't or what we're allowed to do. They put the advertisement on it. They throw the carrot out, and we chase it down and get it. And we think we're above everybody. We think we're blessed. No, you're blessed when you know you're in the faith of God. Because, see, until you get, come to believe, faith is believing. What do you believe? You believe that Jesus
Jesus Christ was sent by the Father to pay your price for your sin. That means he delivered you from sin. That means he set you free from sin. And that means you're not supposed to walk in sin. You're not supposed to live in sin. But the Christian world is living in sin and excusing themselves. You know it, and I know it. Or at least if you've been in the church, you recognize it's going on. And I think they're departing from the faith. They're giving heed, they're giving ear to seducing spirits. Spirits that lure people. Now, we'll say something that sounds a little bit off to you. But ministers who are highly gifted and mightily anointed, they're gradually turning to seducing spirits. You don't want to hear that, but it's true. I'm talking about people on television. I'm talking about great ministries. I'm talking about people that have walked and proclaimed the gospel, the simplicity of the fact that Jesus, you know, there is no other message, but Jesus Christ died for you and can set you free from your sin. Come to him. That is the call of the gospel. That is the faith of believing what the Father sent someone to take our place and pay for our sin. Christian, that ought to ring in your ears. And let me tell you something. You don't never walk away from that. I don't care what you think you've accomplished. I don't care how many preachers, how many sermons you think you preach, how many songs you sung. Listen to me. Don't depart from the faith that's supposed to be in you. Hold on to the faith of God that he has given you. Believe what, what God can do in your life and what he has already done. See, we are departing from it. The Christian world, the church world is departing from it. And then we wonder why we don't hear from God. We got ministries that are that will entertain you. They're seducing spirits. They lure the young people. They'll lure you to, to uh, the kind of music you want to hear. And pretty soon, I told somebody yesterday at that wedding, I told another Baptist minister I was talking to, I told him, I said, something's wrong when the ministries are drawing us with whatever talent and gift they think they got. That's not what you're here for. Can I tell you something? I ain't got no talents and gifts to offer you. Only thing I got to offer you is Jesus Christ. Believe him. Trust him. Don't believe just me. Don't, I've tried to tell you the truth, and I know what God has uh, called me to do. But don't even look at my face. Don't look at my name. I'm nobody outside of just standing in the gap of being doing what God has given me and called me to do. And you know what? He'll remove me and put somebody else to do the next one. And he's doing the same in your life. Babies like it when I get loud. <laughs> they just feel free to just holler. That's all right. They ain't bothered me. They're not only seducing spirit, but they're false doctrines. For you know it, some of these ministries that used to be so stuck on the truth of the gospel, now all of a sudden they've drifted over in this area where, well, it's okay. We can have homosexuals in the church. We can, you can come and bring your sin in the church, and it's okay. We're going to love you anyway. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus loved every one of us, but he didn't love none of our sin. And don't bring your sin to him and expect him to accept it. That ain't what he come and laid down his life and died for. 
He come to set you free. And if you don't know you need to be set free, then you need to let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Listen to the real truth of the faith of God. I want you to turn to Jude, the third chapter, or the first chapter. There's only one chapter, third verse. There's a scripture in 1 Timothy 6, and it's verse 11. It says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things, Paul says, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Then verse 12 says this, and I want you to remember this. Fight the good fight of faith. Let me hear what I said. I want you to remember this when you go home. I want it to bother you when you're eating. I want it to bother you when you're sleeping. If you're taking a nap today or if, or if you go to bed tonight. I want this scripture to be in your mind. Fight the good fight of faith. Christian, if you call yourself a person of God, listen to what I'm telling you. you got to get back to having faith in God. Quit worrying about what your doctrine is. Quit worrying about all the things. I know I need Jesus. That's all I know. And I got Baptist friends, Nazarene friends, and all kinds of people from different churches that I know some of them truly love God. And they ain't never left that faith. But it says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Sometimes when you look back, here's the sad part about those ministries. Here's the sad part about the times that we live in. These people that, that have proclaimed the gospel all across the nation, they have been on TV, they've been on radio, they've had books wrote, David, and all of a sudden they begin to drift around in this world and begin to pick up false doctrines and pick up seducing spirits that leads them into some, guess what's the worst of it? Yes, they're in trouble, but it's all the ones that they've been leading for so long. Did you know some people went to church at one place, saw somebody they believed in and said, you know what, I believe that guy, I don't ever have to go to church no more, I just believe what that guy down there said. And you have no idea that man's got to walk his walk till he gets home. And so do you. You can't live on what I am. You've got to live on what he is. And these ministries, that's why it's so important that you hold on to your faith. That's why it's so important that you feed your faith with his words and his spirit and his truth. And I'm not trying to put down anybody. I want them all to come back to the place where they hold the faith of God and the, and the gift of grace that Jesus Christ brought us. I want, you, I want every one of them to come back to that because I want the name of Jesus to be glorified and lifted up. He's the only resurrection I know. He's the only hope I know. He's the only way I know. Okay, look at Jude 3. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence, this is Jude, to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me, more or less, I started to write to you about, Maria brought this up the other day, I started to write to you about the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. How many hears that? You've heard that all your life. If you're a church, if you've been in Sunday school, you've been taught that. 
We are in the day when earnestly contend for the faith is here. You're going to either earnestly contend for the true faith in God or you're going to drift off with some other ministry leading you that way or something. And I ain't talking about good stuff. See, we have to stay in line just like you have to stay in line. There ain't, there ain't no, uh, how do you say, God didn't make no curve on this thing. He made it his way. And you'll either come by God's way because there is no other way. He said, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the same. Jude got it in his spirit. I believe this. He got it in his spirit that he realized there's some bad things going on here. And the people needs to get back to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. How many knows what I'm talking about? See, I've been in church most of my life. I've been around godly people a lot of my life. And I've seen the presence of God on them. And I've watched the power of God move into a room. And I've watched the Spirit of God move upon a lost soul and bring them to Him, humble them before God. And say, Lord, I'm lost. I need a Savior. You know that's what this gospel's about. But I have seen that all my Where else do I go? What do I change the gospel to? You go change this gospel to nothing else. you got to understand everybody, as long as God keeps us here, Christian, the same message is going true. Every one of my neighbors need to know Jesus loves them and he'll forgive them. And I'm not criticizing. i got better neighbors than I probably am. They keep their yard nicer to me. They're probably, Jim, they're probably better neighbors than we are. But the truth is they need to know Jesus. I don't want them to face eternity without knowing that there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. He's our only hope for tomorrow. It says, verse 4, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? They turned the grace of God. That means they turned the unmerited gift of mercy that you and I found one day. When the Holy Spirit convicted us of our sin. And we came to Jesus and we said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And I know I will go to hell if you don't rescue me from myself. Come into my heart, Lord. Forgive me. You know he'll forgive you and make you like a little child inside. Inside, you'll know I've been forgiven. You may not see me no different, but he sees me different. That's who he is, and that's who he can be to you if you don't know him. But see, that's that unmerited gift of mercy that come from God. It's, it's in Jesus Christ and what he did. But he says, into lasciviousness. They've turned it into lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is an unbridled lust. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's unrestrained sexual freedom. How many knows that ain't right? That's not good. That's not of God. But can I tell you what they're saying? They're saying you can be a Christian and you, can, you don't have to marry nobody. You can sleep with anybody you want to. 
You don't have to do it legally. You don't have to do it by God's way. Just do it your way. It's okay. It's a different time. God will grade on the curve. And I'll tell you, God's not that way. I'm telling you what men's doing. I'm telling you what women's doing. But I ain't telling you God's going to change anything. I ain't never seen where he says anywhere, he says, just hold on. I'll come back and give you some more words. No, he never said that. He's wrote them down. They're true. They're faithful. And he's perfect. When he wrote them down, they don't need change. They don't need repaired by our, our religious world, by our government, or nobody else. They don't need repaired. Unbridled lust. We live in a, a wicked time. We live in a time where you need, you need to make a, a, how do you say, a commitment to God with your eyes. Eyes don't go where they don't belong. Ears don't go to listen to what you don't need to hear. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to Christians. You need to tell your feet don't go where you don't belong. Get yourself out of those places where you don't represent God there. You call yourself a Christian, but you don't belong there. And I'm not trying to tell you what you need to do. What, that's between you. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So everywhere I go, I know the Lord's watching me. I know he paid a great. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to skip something because I'm going to read something. This is what God woke me up this morning, Bill. God woke me up in the middle of the night. But this is what he said to me. He said, there's a great gap between hell and heaven. There's a great barrier between them. You know how far you are away from God if you're in sin? The wages of sin, Connie, you read it. The wages of sin is death. Do you know how far hell is from heaven? And I'm saying this because God said it to me. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to drive you to something. I just want you to hear what God woke me up saying. There's some great gap between there. I don't know how far it is, but the third heaven's where God is. And when we want to go to the third heaven, when we want to get where he's at, guess what? you got to get out of that sin. He made a way to get out of that sin that's taking you to heaven. You say, oh, I don't know if I believe that. Well, get in this Bible. The same one that tells you Jesus loves you and came for you is the same one who will tell you he'll pass judgment and you will face judgment before God. And it's what you've done with Jesus Christ. It's whether you've brought yourself to faith in him. I believe him. I believe he paid my price. I believe when he died on the cross that he was accepted of the Father. What he did was paid the price, the great price that was between. He filled that gap, DJ, between heaven and hell. And where all of us are bound for hell and deserve it. He paid a price that we can go through Jesus to get to the Father. Revelation 21 and 22 talks about the new heaven, new earth. He said, and he that overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. And I want to tell you something. You're either a child of God and you have faith in him. And you're waiting on him to call you out to go home. Ready. Or you're not ready. And you don't want to stand before him. 
because judgment's waiting on you. The wages of sin is death. See, we're to get rid of the sin that we have. None of us is perfect, but I'm striving, Lord, to be just like my Savior. I want to walk with him day by day by day by day, hour by hour. It's not just a Sunday thing. I just don't show up here to feel better about myself. I can tell all of you, oh, you're just going to heaven. It don't matter what you do. But I got to tell you the truth. There's a great gap between what's going on. The devil wants you to just believe it's okay. Do whatever you want to. But God says you'll come through my son. He paid the price. I don't know why I'm saying that. I don't know what this has really got to do with my message, but that's what God woke me up this morning talking about. I'm going to get out of Jude for a few minutes, and we'll go to Philippians. One verse, it says, And let your conversation, 127, And let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come, Paul's telling the Philippian church, whether I come to you, or whether, and you see me, or else be absent, that I may hear of your affairs. Let me tell you something. I want to hear you've live, you're living for God. I don't care if you got saved here. I want to hear you're living for God. If you're not here, or whether you're here or you're not, I want to hear the fruits of what's going on in your life. Is, is God in your life? Are you ashamed of the gospel in you? Are you afraid to tell your loved ones, I got saved? I know, they're going to be confused. They're going to ask you what you got saved from. What did you get saved to? You'll know. And can I tell you, your testimony is just as good as anybody that's ever lived. Because the Holy Spirit came down and changed your life. He gave you a new life again. He said that I may hear your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. How many knows we're to be striving? I don't, I'm telling you again, God didn't save us to sit in the easy chair. I got recliners at home. And when I get tired, I sit them. But that ain't what God saved me to do. He saved me to go out and bring faith of the gospel to someone's life. You need to hear that there is hope in God. You need to know that there's faith. You can put your belief in him. And if you'll believe him, he'll save you. The work's already done. But if you deny him, he'll deny you. 2 Timothy 1.13 says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Spirit, which dwells in us. 2 Timothy 3, 13 says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I want my daughter-in-law and her sisters to know today. Can I tell you something? Brother Vaughn was real. Merle R. Vaughn 
I got saved under Merle Arbonne. My father and mother got saved under Merle Arbonne. Most of my family here got saved under Merle. And he was true blue. He walked with God. Uh, was he perfect? No. Uh, you know what? You might know things. Anybody else might say something. But I can tell you, he knew that he had been changed by God. And he carried that faith of the gospel to others. And others received it. I mean, here's what I'm saying. See, there's true blue. I know where the gospel came from. It came from those people that, would st that I stood before. Because when I would hear it and I would get convicted and I would go home, I was afraid to shut my eyes. Afraid I'd wake up and I'd remember that little prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And I would think I'm not saved, so I'm not going to get a go. They preached the truth. And you know what? Eventually I came to Jesus. I ran for a while. But when I came to him, he showed me what it was that I was missing inside. I want you to know this gospel's open door to you. If you don't know him, he loves you. He's calling your name today. He loves you enough to bring this truth to your ears today. And I hope it bothers you the rest of your life if you don't come to him. Because that's the very grace of God that loves you. It's the truth of his word. Let's go back to Jude. I want you to look at verse 5. These are the doom of the false teachers that's coming. Jude said this. And I can feel the pressure. I don't know, Ryan, if you understand that, but I feel the pressure of Jude. I feel like Jude's saying, i got to tell you something. i got to tell you something that's on my mind, that the Spirit of God's put on my mind, that's telling me to, to say these words to you. Because why? He saw them leaving the faith. He said, you're going to have to contend, you're going to have to fight for this faith. But in verse 5, he says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's hard to swallow. See, after God delivered the children out of Egypt, many of you just watched the movie, Ten Commandments, and you've seen how God delivered them out of Egypt. And they came out. But even after all of that, did you know God destroyed them that believed not? I'm talking about the Jewish people. Those that all of a sudden decided we don't like it out here in this wilderness. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Where's our water coming from? Where's our food coming from? And they began to murmur and complain and whine. They whined to the leaders. They whined to every thing around them. Every time they took a step, they had a reason to look at the doubting side of it. Why? Because they lost their faith in the God that they were serving. That's what he's talking about. Then he says, and the angels, verse 6, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. These were the 
the angels back in the time of Noah's time. You know what's funny? God took some of those evil angels and he bound them in the prison. And he's holding them there till judgment day. You think God don't know what he's doing? Now, he didn't bind all the devil's angels. He didn't bind all of them that followed Satan. But he bound them. And their day's coming when the judgment will come. And then in verse 7, it says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication. I have all kinds of people tell me, Oh, Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't about homosexuality. Oh, it was about other stuff. They were doing all kinds of other sins. That's why God, but can I tell you, when I read what Jude said here, I think God, I think God gave Jude exactly what was right. He says, they themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. How many knows eternal fire fell from heaven and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for the sin that was in the land? And you say, well, God ought to wipe out a lot of places today. Yeah, this is we're living in the, the time of grace and the time of mercy because there's a lot of wicked stuff going on. When I hear some of the stuff that our, even our leaders in Washington are guilty of, I think to myself, where's the accountability? Where's our justice system? They're not going to get away with it because God sees everything going on. They're not going to get away with it. But he did this for an example. God has laid out Sodom and Gomorrah with eternal fire to set an example to those that have drifting off into sin and losing their faith in God. Hear what I'm telling you. See, those same people who were delivered out of Egypt, those that quit believing, Bill, he, he passed judgment on them. They didn't have another chance. Likewise also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, with content, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, dares not to bring against him a railing accusation. You know, Michael the archangel, as powerful as he was, as great as he was, when Satan come and wanted to know where Moses was buried, Michael the archangel said, I'm not going to rebuke you, but the Lord rebuked you. That's what he said to him. How many know it's not Michael's place? It was the Lord's place. Well, you, ain't no, you ain't no competition for the enemy. Can I tell you, you can't fight this on your own. You can't walk this Christian walk by yourself. You need the power of God. You need the word of God. You need the family of God. Because I've come here a lot of times and I'd be so discouraged down upon myself, discouraged with myself, and I come into the house of God and somebody will start talking about Jesus and his grace and mercy upon something he did in their life. And Bobby, it was testimony night. Thursday night was testimony night. And I can tell you right now, I got excited just sitting in the chair, listening to everybody talking about what God had done. You know what? That encouraged me. It lifted me up. It brought my faith back up to the top. See, you need the house of God. You need the church people. I know we're not all perfect. Sometimes we do as bad as some of the world does. But give us a little space. God's still working on us. We're striving. 
we're contending for our faith every day. Sometimes you're facing hard days. Some of you may be in here today and you've got hard things you're facing. Can I tell you, God's people will pray with you. God's people will lift you up before God. They'll call upon the one that they know can change things. Felicia, when you was worried about those things before, I can remember you having prayer requests for, about it. Can I tell you, God's people prayed for that. And God hears his children's cry. Verse 10, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally is brute beasts. In those things they, they corrupt themselves. Then he says, woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. How many remembers what Cain did? He killed his brother. Why? He was jealous of him. He hated him because God accepted Abel's gift but not Cain's. So did he deal with it with God? Did he go to God and say, God, I'm sorry, I'll do better? No. Instead, he turned around and he crouched down the way the scriptures read it. And he looked for his opportunity and he slew his brother. He hated him. And his blood cried out to God. People are going in the way of Cain. They call themselves Christians. They want to be a part of the church, but they have so much jealousy and hatred. Let me tell you something. This church will never survive on jealousy and hatred. It can't do it. We have to contend for the faith. We have to strive to love each other and to accept what God is doing through you. I'm not your judge. I'm not your, I don't call you to tell you where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do. That's between you and God. But work it out. And I promise you, if you walk with God, pretty soon he'll be lifting you above others. And he'll be saying, you know what? I'm going to put you on a pedestal because I need you. I need you to do a work for me. God will lift you up. So many times, I know, I go to different places, say things, and I think to myself, God, my wife told me last this morning, she said, when you picked Chris, when they handed me the license yesterday, my wife said, your hand is just shaking. And I can remember my father's hand just shaking when he'd be sitting up here and he had a message that he knew was going to scorch somebody. But he knew it wasn't him, it was God. And he would shake. I'd see my father sitting up there shaking. Not trying to tell you about us. I'm trying to tell you that this is a serious thing. And God loves you enough to bring this truth today. They went in the way of Cain and ran greedy after the heir of Balaam. Balaam was a, a prophet that spoke against God's people for money. And then it was uh, the third one, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Korah is in the Numbers, the 16th chapter. And it talks about how to him he was a, I believe he was a, uh, from the tribe of Levi, like Moses and Aaron, and the other two were, that was with him, they got together, they were from the tribe of Reuben, the oldest, and they got together and decided to criticize Moses and Aaron on the way they're leading. 
who picked you to lead? We're all holy people. Who are you to take the reins and lead? That's what they started out with. And Moses actually came to him and fell on his face, and he began to pray for him. Why? Because he knew they didn't understand. They didn't understand the call of God. They thought they could call themselves to do God's work. No, you can't. You have to let God do that. Anyway, he goes on to say, These are spots in your feast of charity. When they didn't, when that, when that says that, and I know it's talking about a feast of charity, back then they did. They actually got together before they had the Last Supper, but they would actually have a big meal. But let me tell you what it says. These are spots in your feast of charity. They, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of wind. Uh-oh. I want to say this. Some people are carried about with winds. What are you talking about? They're carried about. When the wind blows this way or that way, and they like what they heard, look out. They're ready to fight you over the church. They're ready to fight the church over what they believe. They're ready to fight anything going on because they like the way the wind's blowing and they want to go that way. Let me hear what I said. Be careful. I'm not picking at nobody. I'm trying to tell you that we have to be careful and contend for the faith. Keep taking everything to God. Carried about with the winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up, raging waves of the sea, foaming out of the shame, wandering stars, uh, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now I'm going to skip some. I'm going to skip the rest of it. I'm going to go to this. Matthew 11th chapter. And I got to turn to it. Matthew 11th chapter. Now I want you to look at verse 7. I brought this up a few weeks ago, but I want to say it again because it fits here. When I was talking about the wind blowing, Jesus said this about John the Baptist. Verse 7, what went you out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? Uh-oh. You know what a reed is back then at that time? It was just some limber little thing that had things on it, and they would just blow off. The wind would blow them, and they'd go this way, and they'd go this he said, did you think you went out to see John the Baptist? Do you think he was a reed blowing in the wind? Absolutely not, Carl. He was a man. He was a man that Jesus Christ said, you didn't go out to see somebody blowing around with the wind. He knew exactly what the Father sent him to do, and he spoke the truth until they killed him. Let me hear what I just said. You know what? You're going to make up your mind. I'm going to contend for this faith. I'm going to fight for the faith that holds me close to God. I don't have to have what this world's got. That's right. You're going to leave it all behind anyway. You might as well let it go now. I don't want it. Jesus told that rich young ruler. He didn't tell him, give, it, give me your money and come follow me. He said, go give your money to the poor and come follow me. That means empty yourself. They, uh, Matthew sang that song about Isaac, lay my Isaac down. You know what he's talking about? He, Abraham laid down his promised son because God told him to. And 
And when he laid him down, God said, now I know you give it all for me. See, we have to give it all for him. God's calling the church to surrender to him. I surrender it all, Lord. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I love you, but I can't, I can't do one thing for you. I'm getting older, and I'm going to leave here someday, and you're going to have to deal with it yourself. But right now, God tells me to tell you that he loves you, that he wants you to live for him, that he has better plans than you do, that he'll do things that your mom and dad couldn't do, nobody else could do. And you'll know you have a relationship with him. And like I said before, you won't have to worry about losing some of your friends. They'll lose you. You get close to God, they'll lose you. He went on to say, but what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft clothes or soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in the king's house. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say to you, Jesus said, I am more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. Come on back up, Peggy. Jesus was honoring John the Baptist. Why? Because what John the Baptist was called to do, he did it from his heart with no concern about his life. He done already surrendered that. He surrendered it all to me. When you come to God, you got to come with your life. Lord, I've been leading my life all this time, and I've failed. And I am not perfect. I did the best I could, but I am so tired, and I can't do it. And I can't get myself through that death door to heaven. I can't make it. But can I tell you, Jesus paid your price. If you'll come to him, he's waiting on you. He loves you. I don't want to hold you no longer. I got other scriptures. I'm not going to read it. Because I feel like God's talking to somebody. And I think what you need to do is make up your mind. You're either going to fight for this faith in God or you're going to surrender. And I'm talking to church people too. We're living in a hard time. We're living in that time that Paul told Timothy, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, doctrines of false teachers. Let me tell you something. It's all over the place. People's coming up with all kinds of ideals how to keep their church full. You know what I want it full of? People that's hungry for God. People looking for the truth. Because without it, we ain't got no hope anyway. We might want to shut the door if we don't speak God's word. They are truth. They, they apply to me and they apply to you. And I'm accountable and you're accountable. But see, I don't have to. I don't have to meet all these. I couldn't do it anyway. But all I got to do is meet Jesus because he paid it all. He paid your price. He paid my price. And he loves you today. You don't know how much he loves you. You don't know he don't never take his eyes off of you. He allows you 
he allowed little Stephen, little Stephen with him, he allowed him to come into this life. It's a purpose. He, he might just be blessing, you know, but he's also encouraging. He's encouraging and saying, my God answers prayer. My God loves me. My God will take me through and he'll take my children through. Praise God. Everybody stand if you will. There's a lighthouse on a hillside. Stormy night. 